I think that was. Hold, I, th- I think that was a pretty. Uh, hold on. Where's where's my where's where's my thing? <laughs> oh my God! Please don't get us sued. Hey everybody, it's Tuesday, September the 13th, 2017, and this is the 4th and Wrong podcast, because I wouldn't call it the Slash Plate podcast, because I wouldn't fuck it up that many times. Are you uh, sure? I'll be your host, shut up, I'll be your host, RJ. Joining me is Keith, say hi Keith. Hi Keith. And I don't know why I keep saying, like, joining me is Keith, as if... As if I'm not, not always here. As if you're not, like, the co-host I'm or leech. something. You can't get rid of me. Well, I, honestly, I think I'm a leech on your actual information, and you just get to laugh at all the dumb shit I say, and then be like, yeah, now produce this afterwards. Hey, well, at least we got the roles established, you know? I'm, yeah, what, I'm, yeah. I'm the play-by-play guy, you're the color commentator, that's how this works. Yeah, yeah we, know, we uh, as The Rock would say, uh, know our roles. Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, we have taken a little bit of time off, uh, mainly because of events that end in fest and start with mag um of various varieties i went to two of them in back-to-back weekends and then thought that tuesday was wednesday all day and thought friday was saturday all day so that was fun coming back yeah i could imagine um yeah because uh the first one you went to was on the west coast right correct uh santa clara california i sent you a picture specifically uh because Literally out of the window of my hotel room was da, 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 uh, the stadium the 49ers play in. And that was a fun realization where I was like, this is this is dumb as hell. What the <laughs> fuck is any of this? Um, my favorite part of Levi Stadium uh, is that on the side of it, it has two signs that says uh, faithful then, faithful now. And I just looked at it and I was like, yeah, you know, until it comes to your starting quarterback totally you, that, like you got you, all over it you guys yeah. good job guys yep n- nailed it 10 out of 10 um so so yeah that was that was that one and then we were both at uh mag labs where the sound was just perfect absolutely no it was gorgeous um yeah it was amazing definitely no issues there but that's an entirely different thing that nobody cares about probably on this podcast and hopefully will be ancient history by the time anybody actually hears this or hopefully they hear it sooner. Please God, somebody listen to this. Yeah. Can you like, can, can we just please have an audience, please? It'd be, I mean, people say that they like us. Uh, they're fucking liars. I total. Well, there's a difference between like, Hey, we like you and Hey, we want to listen to the dumb mouth noises you make. Yeah. A friend of mine at work was pretty excited about it. Oh, really? He just got bummed out because we weren't on iTunes. Uh, uh, listen, we'll figure that out. Also, we need to have something that's like... Well, for iTunes, we don't need to have something that's semi-consistent. For YouTube, we would. Yeah. Um, well, because the YouTube algorithm would just completely shit us out if we didn't upload, like, minute content. Not even daily. We'd have to do, well, like, f- four videos a day to stay relevant. Uh, apparently, so long as you stay consistent and you're over, like, ten minutes now, they're pretty into it, but, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all about, like, minutes watched and can you continually turn that audience every day and stuff. 
Right. And when we do like one after the first or second preseason game and then take a month off, it's not real good for our numbers. But no, no, it's not. But getting well, on great. iTunes, it's great for our content because now we actually have stuff to talk about. Now we have shit to talk about. Um, <laughs> and getting onto iTunes for from what I've heard is not super difficult. So we'll no. investigate that. And also, I can very easily pump out an MP3 version of this. So that'd be that'd be good. That'd be good. Um. So yeah. Do, I mean, where do we want to start? I have my thing basically broken down. Uh, segment wise is like us talking about our teams, us talking about divisional stuff, and then the league in general. Um, do you want to start or should I? Um, I think we should start with you know the right foot forward. So let's talk about you and actually winning a football game. Hey, we won a football game against the worst team in the league. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Um, like the second worst team in the league. That's, I mean, <laughs> according to um, this, according to the, if you look at it that way, sure. <laughs> May, well, maybe like the fifth worst team. Yeah, in the according league. to statistics, you're better than the Patriots. Uh, we yeah, we we uh, tech, the Buffalo Bills currently in Week One own the AFC East, uh, and I and we don't play another divisional game. So we won a divisional game. Miami didn't play. They also wouldn't have played a divisional opponent. So we own it for at least two weeks, even if we lose one. That's how tiebreakers work. Yes. Look, man. Anyways. I don't know. <laughs> um, that j- the Jets are bad and they should feel bad. The um, Jets are definitely bad and they should definitely feel bad. We do have that established. Um, you know, the Jets are probably at this point undeniably one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's funny because my whole thing going into the season was like, okay, who like who even is on the Jets at this point? And then I saw the statistic for our team going into the first game. Uh, and the Bills have 13 returning starters, which is, you know, not bad. Not bad. You know, you're always going to get a little bit of turnover. Sometimes you lose some superstars. Sometimes you trade them away for draft picks and shitty cornerbacks who get injured in the first game. Uh, other times, uh, on the flip side of that, we have 30 new players on our 53-man roster. Like 30 players new to the Bills? Yeah, like, okay. like, like 30. Like... More than half the team. Well, with, yeah, I mean, that would be the flip side of only having, like, 13 returning players. Uh, 13 returning starters. Now, I mean... starters. So you you have about 10. Yeah, we got about... We got about 10 other guys who who didn't get thrown completely under the bus. (laughs) That's good. So, that was weird to see. Um... (laughs) But yeah, uh, you know, our front seven looks good. Our offensive line looks bad. Uh, Our running backs uh, are not deep um, because uh, one, Mike Gillisley uh, is overscoring three touchdowns a game for the Patriots, but we'll get to that later because it's on my list of notes and I know uh, you sat him. How's your fantasy team feeling? Um, I I know where you live. (laughs) And that's all I have to say about that until we get to it. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's it's sort of like our wide receiver core got worse, our safeties got better, so it's like a lot of neutral floating. Right. Um, so what, what I've got on my list is, uh, Bills win, beat a bad team. We beat a bad team. You, you did um, beat a bad team. You know, uh, they got 38 yards on the ground mm. for the entire game. 
I think I could get 38 yards in a game. I've I've seen 38 yards before. It's um, it's not it's not great. It's yeah, it's that's not great. Especially what especially was, over 60 minutes of football. One one of their one of their receivers or one of their running backs had like 8 yards on the game uh with a long reception of 9 yards. Which means that they turned around and lost a yard on the only other pass they caught. Yeah, who did they start at quarterback for that game? Uh oh, fuck. Uh, uh, mix something. Oh, Marty McCown. McFly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one. Marty yeah. McFly. Marty McCown. <laughs> Marty McCown. Yeah. Um, so the thing that basically happened was they kept trying to run the ball against us, and then it kept not working because apparently Matt Forte needs to fucking hang it up because being a running back is no longer his. Wait for it. Forte. There it is. Yeah. Um, you know, cause they got 38 yards and that's not good. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of our, uh, just linebackers just cleaning shit up. Sure. Uh, you know, they would, they would get a couple yards and then, uh, where is it? He's somewhere on my list here. Uh, Hodges. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not Hodges. Humber, Ramon Humber, um, who was one of the new 30, I wish we just had two more people so I could make a new 32 joke every single week. <laughs> um, but I can't, unfortunately. So Humber had uh, 30 tackles in the game mm-hmm. as, our, as our, I believe, middle linebacker, um, 12 of which were solo tackles. Uh, he had more tackles. He had twice as many tackles as the next person on the team. Right. So he was just mopping up left and right anytime they tried to run it on us. Um, and honestly, going into the second half, late second quarter, uh, they realized like, oh, McCown can kind of throw. And he's got this guy named uh, Jermaine Curse who like, you know, made this incredible catch in a Super Bowl not too long ago. Right. Uh, so, you know, again, they started picking apart our corners, but we're starting like a rookie. And again, a, uh, a former sixth round draft pick who we traded for. Uh, rip Sammy Watkins, but we'll talk about him later. Um, and those are our starting two. Like, Kevon Seymour is still not getting started, and I don't fucking know why. Yeah, I don't really have an answer for that. I am the, you know, leading authority, at least as far as this show is concerned, on Josh McCown. Um, you know, considering he played, you know, three seasons in Cleveland. Well, um, ho- holler at me about Josh McCown. Yeah, um, I was actually genuinely surprised because I, I caught tidbits of the Bills Jets game, but uh-huh. he's 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 old. Yeah, he's old. Um, he's fragile, um, but the dude's the dude has an arm, and he's not afraid to stretch the field. I was actually really surprised how docile the Jets were being um, initially when they were approaching that game, especially like you know as you mentioned, the Bills have a suspect secondary at this point. Um, do you do you know what a what his record as a starter is? Uh, one and terrible. Seventeen. Yeah, no, it's bad. But you got also bad. you also got to understand a lot of that was played with a really bad Cleveland team. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, like part of that record was the season was last season when he played for the one and fifteen Browns and started you know a good chunk of those games because RG three is also fragile and useless. That doesn't help. Nope, doesn't help. Um, and then he got injured, so that's cool. A, a lot of that record was while playing for a pretty terrible Cleveland team. 
So I think for what it's worth, this is also the same quarterback that had to force – he pretty much got in a shootout with Peyton Manning two years ago and had to force Peyton Manning to overtime to have to do Peyton magic. Um, the dude, the dude's got an arm and he can put up yards. He's not afraid to stretch the field. Um, he's just fragile and, you know, not very, not very consistent. Peyton Manning surprisingly will come up, uh, much later in our podcast, but, uh, we'll get to that when we get to that, because we're going to have to talk, we're going to have to talk about Andy Dalton at some point. Um, and the worst, uh, quarterback performances, uh, by QBR ever. So we'll get to that. Definitely. Uh, so, I mean, just, I guess, I guess quickly trying to wrap up, uh, the game, uh, I think Charles Clay was targeted like nine times or something and caught four of them. Yeah. Um, because he's terrible. Yeah. Uh, he was also, he was also the guy whose hands it went off, uh, to get the interception in the end zone on our opening drive. Sure. The things that I, the things that I can quickly say are the bills put together two five minute drives and I don't know that I've ever seen that out of them in the last <laughs> like ever um, they were able to get down the field relatively quickly when they needed to yeah yeah it was either and that's and that's the funny thing is even now it wasn't like it wasn't like dink and dunk plays it was nothing and then chunk yards and yeah. yet they were able to do it consistently enough sure so Charles Clay was bad. Nick O'Leary, who I still think is underrated, had one catch for 22 yards. I'm just going to run down my list real quick. Um, LaShawn McCoy had 110 yards uh, on the ground. Uh, Thank 20, God. 20, 22 carries. You know, he was averaging five yards a carry. Didn't get a touchdown, uh, but Mike Tolbert did. Uh, he was 42 yards on 12 carries, uh, averaging three and a half and a touchdown. If we're staying in the rushing department, Tyra Taylor had 38 yards on eight rushes for four for 4.8. Like right. our rush, our rushing game is still strong. It makes sense why we were number one in the league last year. Although again, um, TD Mike is on a different team. Right. Uh, LaShawn also had 49 yards receiving. I don't have his, you know, catch thing. Um, and the wide receivers, while limited, were effective. Like, Jordan Matthews had two catches for 61 yards, one of which was, like, 40-something. Yeah. Um, Zay Jones had one catch for 21 yards. Yeah, so, uh, like, uh, the limited performance, but there was definite chunk yardage when they actually got their hands on the ball. The wide receivers had, like, three or four catches between the entire, like, receiving core. Sure. Um, Andre Holmes had one catch for one yard, but it was a TD. Uh, Charles Clay, you know, pulled his hands out of his ass to get a TD later on. Um, other than that, you know, uh, Micah Hyde and uh, Jordan Poyer, those guys are pretty good at safety. They both they both got an interception. What's up, Jordan Poyer? I see you getting the first interception and the first sack for the Bills on the season. Yeah, I'm still kind of a little bit upset about the Jordan Poyer thing. <laughs> um, well, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's That's football. Um, especially because we seem to be, uh, quote-unquote, struggling at safety. Um, Jordan Poyer was at least consistent. But, you know, he's already performed better for you than he did for us. So at least you got that going for you. Might might be a little bit of coordinator, might be a little bit of scheme, might be a little bit of the fact that dude can jump real high and yeah. he was playing Josh McCown. Yeah, I think, so. I think Jordan Poyer would have thrived in Greg Williams' defense. But, you know, that's you know, another conversation. 
Poyer, Poyer had his his sack in the game was he was lined up like on the line and just ran and was unblocked and Josh McCown like didn't see him coming and was like you know semi backpedal like I don't know if you forward pedaling you know he wasn't trying to run but he was you know stretching to the right side of the field sure while while Poyer was coming off the left and this and he just ran at him like went for the strip didn't get it but just like totally unblocked speed speed sack and I was like. Yeah, okay, I see I see you. I see you. Yeah. Uh, but then we talked about Humber, so I think that's basically all I've got from this. Like the Bill again, the Bills beat a bad team. We have to go to Carol we have to go to Carolina tomorrow or not tomorrow, this upcoming week. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a little bit more of a test for the Bills, um, to see if, you know, it's legit. Obviously you gotta get the passing game more involved against Carolina. Um I I, I still I still have it up in the air at this point because again our head coach was their defensive coordinator for the last six years yeah and we and our new GM was in their front office at various positions for the last nineteen it's gonna be a big old family reunion so again it's one of those things where it's like oh yeah you know, like Carol Carolina's generally a good team they weren't as good last year as they were the year before when they went fifteen and one but they're generally speaking a good team yeah so. We'll see how that goes, but I think it's still going to be our next big competition that really shows where we, you know, where we flesh out. Yeah, it, it, and it'll also be your next big game in the AFC specifically to get a little more grasp on what that could potentially look like later down season. Totally, totally. I mean, and that's and the other thing is, like, divisional-wise, we play the Jets again, and then we don't play another divisional game until week, like... 13 or something yeah, like that yeah we got like the exact opposite of that schedule <laughs> yeah all uh, yeah all your shit is front loaded yeah like you know we play the def- we played the defending divisional champions last week week game one and then game two we're playing you know the ravens uh the well, the second best team in the division so um they're I def- mean that they're definitely stacking it they're stacking it early for us I, and I was going to say that's as good as uh, any for a transition to, hey, let's talk about the Browns game sure. because I watched um, I watched the highlights for it. And honestly, uh, I th- I like you guys don't look that bad. Cleveland, it, it was, seems Cleveland was playing football. Holy shit. Seems seems <laughs> seems like seems like a couple of things didn't go your way, but that was about it. So you have a very Buffalo story from the last couple of years as opposed to just being flat out like. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I mean, obviously that early block punt uh, for the touchdown, um, it set a, kind of set a precedent that, you know, Cleveland had to overcome throughout the rest of the game. Um, we also took advantage of the fact that, you know, Le'Veon Bell was completely, completely, you know, inefficient in that offense. You know, Le'Veon Bell had 10 carries for 32 yards. Literally half of those yards were on a single run, though. He had a chunk yard run for, like, 15 yards. Um, Mm -hmm. So the other nine carries, you know, nine carries across 15 yards. So besides that one chunk yardage, he was averaging, like, 1.5 yards a carry or some shit like that. Um, You know, containing... Those good numbers. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Containing Le'Veon Bell was obviously part of the game game plan. Uh, It's kind of important. Um, and I didn't ever doubt that we could do that because we do have a relatively consistent front seven. Um, what ended up happening was exactly what I thought was going to happen was big Ben, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown kind of clicking. Um, we're, 
were suspect in secondary. You know, our best cornerback over the past five years, you know, now plays for Pittsburgh. I'm not saying Joe Hayden would have saved that game for us, but, you know, he he's obviously lost a step over the past two years. I don't think, like I said, I don't think he would have saved the game, but, you know, we just don't don't have any consistency at corner. And once 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 Antonio Brown started clicking, it's really hard to contain him. He is the best wide receiver in the league. Not not saying that he would win the game, but it did definitely didn't help that he was on the other side. It definitely did not help he was on the other side. I mean, he has experience covering A.B. Every single time we play Pittsburgh, you know, he floats with Antonio Brown across the formation. You know, just at least get something consistent on him. Um, over the past two years, it hasn't really worked out because Joe Hayden's kind of lost a step, in my opinion. But, um, you know, once once that passing game started clicking, like, I mean, just to throw some numbers out for you, um, you know, you know, Pittsburgh only had six receivers touch the ball. You know, six receivers. Um, five of them, only five of them successfully caught the ball. <laughs> of five receivers, they had 263 yards receiving. Antonio Brown had 182 of those yards. <laughs> Jesus shit. On the converse side, Cleveland had 222 yards receiving. You know, not a bad number. You know, they had... Um, o- only only two yards worse than the Bills. Right, yeah. Two yards worse than the Bills. Um, they had um, nine receivers targeted. Eight of which touched the ball. You know, so okay. there was a substantial... Or eight of which had a successful catch. There was a substantial shift and who was obviously getting the touches between the two receiving cores, you know, because Cleveland numbers are relatively equally spread. You know, Corey Coleman had five receptions for 53 yards. Seth DeValve had four for 42. Isaiah Crowell had two for 30. Ricardo Lewis had two for 30. Duke Johnson had two for 20. David Njoku had two for 20. You know, when you start looking at, you know, the box score on the Pittsburgh side, it was like Eli Rogers had two for 11. Martavius Bryant had two for 14. Le'Veon Bell had three for 15. Jesse James had four for 41. And then Antonio Brown had 11 for 182. So (laughs) listen, some, some people like PB and J sandwiches and they like them evenly spread with, you know, some creamy peanut butter butter and other people like it uh, extra chunky with like half a bushel of grapes on the other side. So, you know, yeah, they definitely got extra chunky on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. Um, you know, we contained the run game. We maintained Le'Veon Bell's explosiveness. But, you know, once once Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown start clicking, especially in like a Swiss cheese secondary, you're gonna, you're, they're going to burn you up. They're going to burn you alive. Fortunately, you know, not to add any, you know, fuel to the fire, fortunately Antonio Brown didn't get any of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's receiving touchdowns. So he only just got all of the yards. Um, it was actually uh, their tight end that got the two receiving touchdowns. A uh, big target, hard to contain, especially in short field. So, you know, that shit's going to happen. But as far as the performance goes, you know, I wasn't upset about it. Um, I feel like, you know, when I was watching the game, I was watching Cleveland play football. I was watching Cleveland, especially after a shitty start, you know, the block punt for a touchdown. I was watching Cleveland make Pittsburgh play football, yep. which is something that hasn't happened in almost like two or three years. Um, and to the point for which, you know, Ben Roethlisberger actually said in an interview, uh, either yesterday or today, he said, you know, Cleveland's going to surprise people this year. And this is the most winningest quarterback against Cleveland that has ever existed. 
saying that Cleveland is going to upset somebody this year. I don't think he's wrong. Like I watched your game and outside of that blocked punt for a touchdown, like it's like, it seemed like, you know, again, I only saw the highlights. I didn't watch the entire thing front to back, but it seemed like you guys were pretty much in it. And the thing that I heard from both your game and my game was just like mental toughness ability to finish because you guys, you know, that drove down the field late and then got a successful two point conversion to bring it within three. Yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for a big reception from Antonio Brown, we could have easily gotten that ball back, you know, and then you know make another attempt to at least get downfield and tie it up. Um, the other big thing that killed us was there was a big open field drop by Kenny Britt, um, mm. like literally open field field in front of him, like rack yardage potential, and he just straight up hit him right in the hands, bad spot right in the hands, um, to the point where Hugh Jackson you know, head coach has actively stated, you know, we are going to rethink things at wide receiver for this coming week. Kenny Britt was, yeah, Kenny Brent was supposed to be our replacement for losing Terrell Pryor. Big body receiver gets open in the end zone and he's been underwhelming in preseason. He's, you know, first game was underwhelming. You know, Kenny Britt had three targets, only one reception for 13 yards. Um, but, you know, Corey Coleman, his, you know, half a foot shorter companion, you know, six targets, five receptions for 53 yards. Whenever Kenny, whenever Corey Coleman was open and targeted, he caught the ball and he got downfield. Um, and we could not say the same about, you know, the rest of our receiver core. Um, it, that could be subject to change. Um, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, something happens with that Kenny Britt situation. The only thing that really steers it away from me is the fact Kenny Britt's kind of eaten up a pretty expensive contract right now. Mm -hmm. We obviously paid him, you know, wide receiver one money, um, but our wide receiver two is outplaying him in almost every aspect of the game. And that's something that's going to be um, addressed. The other thing that's going to be addressed is the fact that we were never able to get the running game going, which was something we were actually marginally successful for last season. I mean, Isaiah Crowell had the largest, had the longest um, single play rushing yardage in the entire season. Um, when he finds a hole and he gets his leg under him, he's good, you know, but that Pittsburgh Steelers front seven is really hard to penetrate. And it always has been. Um, so we'll see how that's addressed later. Um, other takeaways from that game is I was fucking impressed with how Deshaun Kaiser carried himself because we knew Cleveland or we knew Pittsburgh's game plan before coming into this game. They knew because they said it openly, you know, the only way to derail a rookie quarterback is to hit him a lot, you know? So we knew that they were going to come after Deshaun Kaiser and really see how he performs under pressure. Yep. Sacked seven times. So, sorry, sorry. This doesn't play well over audio, but I'm just kind of over here nodding a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he um he got sacked seven times. Yeah, and still threw for you know 222 yards and a touchdown. He had uh, 66% completion. The one interception he threw was a tip drill interception. Yeah, you know, it it he, he it was a misread on the linebacker. You know, it got tipped up in the air. Anybody could have came down with it. Um, but shit of course happened. it was T.J. Watt. Yeah, and of course it was T.J. Watt. Like, it was just a good read. You know, T.J. Watt was just like, oh, oh, that's mine. You know, tipped it up in the air, grabbed it, and took off. Um, do, you, do you do you know the stat on T.J. Watt? The, um, import, had, or the impressive stat um, for, a, had, for a first-year rookie? Uh, two or three sacks? 
two two sacks and an interception yeah, in his sacks. first game, yep. and he's the third person to ever do that. Yep, two sacks and interception, and like seven or eight tackles. Like the dude was all over the fucking field. <laughs> um, he's definitely. I mean, he's definitely the heir to his brother's th- throne at this point. Um, you know, but Deshaun Kaiser, he you know he he got up, he dusted himself off. You know, led led late game drives to bring it close. Um, you know, Cleveland competed, and that was the kind of front to back, you know, full game competition that Cleveland's been lacking. Yep. And I think all of that goes back to you know what we discussed previously. You know, it's a culture shift. You know, now it feels like Cleveland never feels like they're out of the game. Yeah, um, I mean, and and I feel like that's definitely what both of our teams are going through right now is the you know, hey, new coach, like, new actual changes, like, fuck all this nonsense you were doing before. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people in, you know, that environment have really bought into it. You know, the, the, I mean, the best thing that can happen to a football team, especially one that's been rebuilding as long as Cleveland has, is to buy into the mentality. And people are buying into it. Um, and that, that's important from, from a fan basis and from a player basis. You never need to go through a game feeling like you're ever out of the football game. And Deshaun Kaiser and other playmakers really put themselves in a position where it could have easily been won. You know, we're talking about a difference of three points. Right. Know? Yep. Three points with the defending AFC North champions. And you're and you're talking about seven of those came off. Of... Seven of those came from a blocked punt. You know, something yep. that is so rare in professional in, football. In the first three minutes of the game. In the first three minutes of the game. You know, if that never had happened. Who knows what could have happened, you know? And but I'm not going to sit here and talk about what ifs because it happened. But you know, you can't you can't help but look back and just be like, dude, we could have easily won that football game. Yep. Oh, trust me, the number of times I've said that with the Bills, where we've been within like three or four or five points, and it's like, well, we could have had them here and there and that other place, and it just yeah. never came together. Um, but it's also the flip side of that is like. Those were well. Those weren't shitty teams, but those were teams that could never get it together. Whereas we're talking about on both of our sides, teams that are putting the mental toughness together and actually have the focus to close out games. Yeah. I mean, there were still t- there were still plenty of times. You know, like the Jets have players on their team, like Bilal Powell and and uh, and Curse, uh, who you know can come through and like make big shit happen. And have done it previously, um, but you know it's the it's the mentality of closing things out. And even if the Browns didn't win something, they showed that they are able to stick with it and put that effort all the way into you know the final buzzer. Yeah, that was I mean that was undeniable. You know, just the sheer fact that they were able to bring it because you know there was a relatively large I want to say large there was a substantial deficit you know, towards, you know, into that fourth quarter. And the Browns, you know, they were just like, no, we, we have the opportunity to win this football game, so we're going to at least go out and give it the best we got. Um, I feel like, you know, obviously there's some things to critique, like, you know, Deshaun Kaiser holds on to the ball a little longer than he should. He's a rookie quarterback. We're, we're playing it out, you know. But he, he has given us the first semblance of what could possibly be a quote-unquote franchise QB that we have gotten in a very long time. You know, obviously Cleveland went money in on Johnny Manziel. I've said since preseason, Deshaun Kaiser looks to me what Johnny Manziel should have looked like. You know, he has he has arm talent to where he can make every throw in the NFL that you need him to th- need him to make. He has legs under him to where he can extend plays with his legs. Uh, 
he can stretch the field when he needs to. The, really, the only thing that they need to work on is, you know, his ability to make accurate throws and holding on to the ball as long as he does. You know, like getting sacked seven times, only part of that is your offensive line, especially considering the fact that on paper, Cleveland has one of the best offensive lines in the AFC. That protection will not last nearly as long as it would when you played in Notre Dame. Um, I understand you're comfortable with your offensive line and you trust them, but at a certain point, that that's going to break down. Um, but, you know, he can get his legs under him and ex- extend the play, but you still can't hold on to the ball. And when you do put the ball downfield, you got to make an accurate throw. I, I was going to ask, like, with a lot of with a lot of uh, rookie quarterbacks or um, people who are new to a system or just new to the game in general, you base you see that you see that delay. Like I know classically, um, EJ Manuel was one of those people who would either like stare down a wide receiver way too long or something like that. Like, do you see that out of Kaiser, or is it just like the timing's not quite there? Um, I think most of it is timing because um, if you watch them. When you're watching him play, you'll see him look off that first receiver and start going through his reads. Um, most of the times when he was holding onto the ball too long, um, it was it was while he was going through his progression. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is you know the receiver. It's it's poor timing with the receivers, and it's also our receivers' inability to get open. You know, like the only person that was able to really you know create space and stuff like that the entire time was you know Corey Coleman but Corey Coleman has a certain you know skill set that a lot of people don't have and that's the fact that he runs a Mm -hmm. 4-3 dude's fast Um, and he can stretch the field really quickly Um, most of the time other completions were mostly just schemed that way um, where you know you see a mismatch you see a mismatch you know you you audible towards that mismatch in some way shape or form and then you know you make the completion the issue i see more of is not the fact that he's you know staring down receivers and stuff like that cuz you would see other issues if a quarterback was staring down a receiver too long you would see you know you would see more deflections you would see more tips you'd see stuff like that um, although it was present, I don't think it's really the root of the problem. Um, I think more of the root of the problem is getting that comfort and getting getting that comfort in the pocket and having the awareness to understand when the pocket's starting to break down and starting you need to move, and also mm-hmm. uh, establishing that timing and that that chemistry with your receivers to know you know if my receiver is in this position, I know he can make that catch. I just need to put the ball to where only he can get to it. Totally. Which, which is something he always struggled with, even when he played for Notre Dame. Um, as it was his accuracy, um, especially when the when the ball starts to get downfield a little bit. You know, the dude has a cannon; like he can throw a fastball. Um, where that fastball is going, we're still kind of up in the air about. <laughs> well, and so are the receivers. Uh, a- to absolutely, <laughs> make the easiest pun I can possible. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. If we're done talking about our games, are we? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, let's kick it up one notch uh, to the divisional level. Um, the Bills are the top of the AFC East. Shut up. By, I that def- in by default. Uh, <laughs> no, by winning a game against a divisional opponent. So but shut by up. By winning the game against the worst divisional opponent. Shut up. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll skip around my list. Um, well, I'll stick with the Jets for right now. 
the Jets, where do we see them over the course of the season? Because I think they might win two games uh, via yeah, I would, the eye test. Yeah, I would, I would say based off of week one projections, I would see them at least winning three. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna. It's, it's I, not gonna I be would, a good. It's not gonna be a good year for the Jets. I would say them. I would say them winning more than. F- I would. I would give them the three and a half and uh, still take the under on that. Yeah, I would. I would definitely just take the under on that. Um, uh, the Jets. The Jets have an interesting issue, um, which is they have no football players on their football team. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, Hey, that's mean. That's mean to Jermaine Curse, uh, who is definitely a football player who made one of the more spectacular catches okay, in a so Super what, Bowl. So what happened was, is Javane what Curse, happened was, he, he, he happened to stumble into the Jets' locker room, and they were like, oh, my God, will you please stay? Here's a lot of money. <laughs> and Matt Forte used to be a football player. Matt Forte hasn't been <laughs> a football player. And, and Matt Forte was a wrecking ball his last two years. Um, you know, it's just like, dude, just give Matt Forte the ball. He'll at least get three yards, which I'm not saying is a bad thing out of a power back. But at the not same time, like, <laughs> like like if your entire <laughs> asset that you bring to the team is the fact that you know how to fall. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to be a good year for your rushing game. Well, um, hey, especially hey when you have no consistency at quarterback to keep the defense honest. Hey, man. I watched Marshawn Lynch fall a yard forward on a fourth and one, and we'll talk about him also later. But sometimes falling forward is all you need in your career. To be fair, he didn't so much fall forward as get pulled on his shoulder pad and then basically do like a full somersault in midair over the dude to get that extra yard. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But, you know, that's beast mode, and we'll get to him later. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So Bills at the top, uh, Jets suck. Um, uh, the the Patriots the Patriots lost. Yeah, the Patriots lost a football game. Go fucking figure. The, the Patriots lost uh, a home opener after winning a Super Bowl, which is which something never they have happens. Literally never happened. Literally um, never happens. So I've got I've got two questions for you because I have my opinions on them. But yes, uh, my basic one is: Does Tom Brady look old? Or is it, or is it missing Julian Edelman, or is it a combination of the two? I mean, I know it's a combination of the two, but what's your input on that? My input on that is I wholeheartedly believe that it is way too early to tell. Or, or third option that I just thought of that's not on my list is it the Madden curse? I was going to bring it up. <laughs> Um, when you put yourself on the cover of Madden and it's called the goat edition and then you come out in opening week and your QBR is 35. That's bad. I take issue with that. <laughs> um, you know, cause there is, um, there's, there's an argument to be made either way that yes, Brady did look a little old. Um, I don't think it was so much that I think it was so much of the fact he didn't have any fucking help. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what what was, Amendola was still out there? Uh Amendola also And 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 let, hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, he definitely had help. Again, Mike Gillisley scored three fucking touchdowns no, for no, that no, no. team. I, no, I mean <laughs> I mean help from his wide receivers. Now, yes, you know you know, fucking the rushing game was fine. <laughs> Obviously. You know, three three touchdowns from one back. 
Um, the Russian game was rip, fine. Rip, my uh, my argument Balt- is rip, rip Buffalo's uh, backup running back. Yeah, rip Buffalo. You you join the Patriots, you get look good. That's that's just what happens. Um, unless you're Gilmore. Unless you're Stephon Gilmore. Um, that's my second point, but we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he still he's he still blows coverages, so that's good. Um, okay, that's all I needed to talk about. <laughs> okay, no, I agree with you on that point. Um, but the point I'm making with uh, you know he had no help at wide receiver is um or at from his receivers is you know he did he didn't have edelman edelman is i mean edelman's his bfs man like edelman carries his fucking shoulder pads for him and stupid well, shit like that i um, mean but but he had gronk back uh gronk looked like a a relic of his former self yep uh gronk gronk was sluggish he wasn't he wasn't breaking off the snap like he normally was the few receptions i mean the the first reception he had yeah he did he did put up a substantial fight for the ball but we're still talking about one of the quote-unquote most dominant tight ends in the game had two receptions and also can't stay on the field for longer than half a season in certain places he still looked like the like least coverable person in the league to be fair most of those times we're against like five nine corners and he's six seven so when you have like a foot and then arm length to get on top of somebody that helps yeah um, i mean he can still he can still bully his way to the ball but that wasn't that wasn't always what he was great at you know the best the what made gronkowski a weapon was how explosive he was at creating distance he's created space um, right and i th- i think i think at this point they've got as much of humpty dumpty that they could put back together again and that's my boy from amherst so you know laugh at the joke but after <laughs> that like pay the man some respect yeah we're talking about we're talking about a wide receiver core that besides Danny Amendola and Brandon Cooks um besides those two there was only seven other receptions um and they were about you know uh, 70 or 80 yards of the 267 yards that um, Tom Brady threw. He was obviously focusing on um, he was obviously on focus focusing on the people that were giving him production, but that didn't even work out for him with the fact that Brandon Cooks, you know, Brandon Cook has a decent stat line all the way until you get to the end of it. You know, the beginning of a stat line is three receptions. 88 mm-hmm. yards, you know, average of almost 30 yards a reception. His longest reception was 54 yards a game, or 54 yards for the game. He was targeted seven fucking times. Caught three balls. That's not good. Yeah. Gronkowski was targeted six times. Caught, what were, uh, caught two balls. What were uh, Chris Hogan's numbers? Because speaking of former Bills. Chris, Chris Hogan targeted five times. Caught one pass. Mm-hmm. Danny Amendola targeted seven times, six receptions. He was the only person out there catching balls for Tom Brady. But, okay, so here's the question is, like, can Brady only throw crossing routes these days? Yes, Tom Brady is a murderer. I've been so, saying so, this shit for, like, a year. <laughs> so, 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 so what we're saying is Tom Brady looks old. I, you know, like, I think Tom Brady, although I feel like, you know, just the presence of Tom Brady kind of puts defenses, puts defenses, you know, a little uneasy. But the moment, you know, Kansas City realized that Tom Brady is literally only looking at two receivers and only one of them's catching the ball, three if you count Gronk, you know, you only have one receiver producing. One only got the yardage he got because of a big chunk play. And the other one, you know, dro- like either dropped the ball or, you know, it wasn't it was not a catchable ball four out of the six times it was thrown his way. 
you know, it's you start to paint a pretty ugly picture, especially considering on the flip side, um, on the flip side, Alex Smith, who everybody still says is not the franchise answer for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I mean, fuck, they traded us a first round pick next year to trade up to get um, Holmes. Yeah, you know, so everybody's everybody's talking like, you know, that, you know, Alex Smith is pretty much, you know, a placeholder until Mahomes is ready. He had, you know, a QBR of 90 <laughs> through for yeah, almost, ridiculous. Yeah, through for 360 something yards and his completion percentage was in the 70s. Like Yeah, dude, and like and like the, four touchdowns. Yeah, and four touch the dude lit it up, you know. He, he only had, had, he had he only had one receiver you know, or t- he only, yeah, he only had one receiver that had under, or that had 50% or under receptions to targets. I, I think he had a borderline perfect quarterback. It was rating. literally a borderline perfect rating. His total rating was a 148. A perfect is like 150 something. Yeah. Um, you know, so he, yeah. Yeah, he only had one receiver that, that had 50% or less receptions to targets. You know, people were catching the ball for him, they were making plays. You know, Tyreek Hill had a 75-yard reception. Kareem Hunt, who we need to talk about, <laughs> had a 75 had he's, a 78-yard reception. Like he's on du- my list a little bit further down. Yeah, the, I mean the dudes were blowing it up, man. There was there was help, you know. Um total total, you know, you know, total receivers that, you know, got a hand on the ball, you know, the Chiefs only had two two receivers more or two players more that got a hand on the ball but they were they were catching the balls they were making space they were creating plays and that's something that I don't think Tom Brady was afforded yep. v- versus Alex Smith all that we can make the argument that Tom Brady looked old but there's a lot more evidence pointing in the fact that Tom Brady just does not have help on the field yep and i mean okay we're deep diving now so let's talk about hunt even though i was planning on talking about him a little bit later uh that kid can kind of do everything. Like, yeah, what a did, fucking animal, right? <laughs> did, did you? Uh, there's a there's a video out there of like his fantasy points over the course of the game, and like, yeah, and like his first carry is like, oh, he fumbled the ball, negative and then a million. The, yeah, and then the rest of the game is just like points, points, success, 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 points, points, yards, this, that, like, like what he had almost 300 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Well, I mean, their second leader and receiver was Kareem Hunt. He had five yeah. targets for five receptions for 98 yards, like and yeah, two t- on, and on, two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Like on, on top of on top of what was 140, 180 rushing 100, yards. He had 148 rushing yards. Um, yeah, that's yeah, the number from me. 148 rushing yards on 17 carries. That means he was averaging over almost nine yards a carry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, nine that, yards that a carry eight, nine, with, a resu- with a rushing touchdown, two receiving touchdowns on five receptions. He was averaging 20 yards a reception. The dude was pretty much a slot receiver that happened to also be able to play running back. Like, he was uh, I mean, you know, that's all, that's all right. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, that's, you know, you know if, whatever. If, I do, whatever, if, I do that in Madden every day. Yeah, if you missed out because David Johnson's injured, you know, Kareem Hunt's kind of your your next go to dual threat if we're taking week week one at face value. Yeah, um, I you mean, know, any, anybody that can anybody that can blow up that well, especially in their first their first game, especially coming out of the gate with a fumble and still being able to turn on the Jets like that, like well, yeah, and again, and again, it's another one of those like weird mental toughness things where it's just like. Dude came in. I think he. I think his stat was he fumbled once in college or something like that. And then he comes out immediately, fumbles, and then is like, 
wait, wait, no, I was just doing that to get it out of the way. Yeah, I got it out of the way. That's literally the only fumble you're going to see me do. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I'm about, to, I'm about to light you guys up. So, yeah. that's insane. Yeah, I feel um, like, I feel like obvi- I mean, obviously the Chiefs had, you know, and e- even the defensive numbers, man, the defensive numbers, they're not, they're not as jarring as the offensive numbers, but there was a lot more consistency on Kansas City side than there was on, on New England side. Um, yep. You know, the, the most, you know, like just the tackling stats, you know, just people putting hands on people. Um, you know, Devin McCourty on the on the P- Patriot side had, you know, um, 10 total tackles. Um, Ron Parker on Kansas City side had 11 total. Um, you know, they were only one off when it comes to solo numbers. McCourty had nine, Parker had 10. Uh, the next person down for both teams is about a difference of, you know, four or five tackles. But the numbers, the more you reach down into the defense on either side, overall, Cincinnati or overall, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had more "quote unquote" more uh, uh, t- total tackles than the Patriots, with less players getting their hands on the ball, which to me or their hands on the player, which to me screams of the fact that the plays were stopped early by playmakers that read the plays appropriately. Um, yep. You know, less people had to get involved, so less people had to make the tackles. The when, Patriots when get, were getting shut down. When you get fewer shared tackles, that just means somebody wrapped that up and it was over. Yep, absolutely. The um, the The special teams game, you know, also, you know, painted a – you know, relatively pretty picture um, with the fact that New England was only afforded a singular attempt at a punt return, mm-hmm. which means the Chiefs were protecting the ball. New England punted to the Chiefs four fucking times, you know, which means almost every single time the Chiefs touched the ball, they were scoring. Yep. Well, yeah, it's scores or turnovers. Yep. And, um, and the other thing that jumps out at me is uh, with that whole game was the um, the consistency with the offenses. You know that you know you're talking about that spread. Um, the other thing that jumps out at me is just the disparity of the numbers. There's not a significant drop off between you know offensive production between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Uh, when you're looking at the numbers, you know, you have on the Patriots side, you have Danny Amendola with 100 yards, you know, Brandon Cooks with 88 yards, and then, you know, the next person down is 30 yards, next person down is 30 yards, and then the next person down is 8, and then the next person down is 8. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the Chiefs side, you know, you have Tyreek Hill, which had, you know, 100 and something yards. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty drop off. Except more than itty bitty. Except more than itty bitty. You know, you have a pretty significant drop off um, on the Chiefs side too with Chris Connolly, Travis Kelsey, and Albert Winston. But, you know, it's 40 yards, 40 yards, 40 yards. Oh, whatever. Kelsey was running the option. Yeah, uh, Kelsey's performance for me was a a tad underwhelming, but I felt like he was utilized effectively because he distracted the Patriots' secondary because they know he's such a big time vertical threat. You know, they, they pretty much locked Kelsey down and it let Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt just have their fucking way. The Chiefs understood very early on in that game that literally the only two people that are making plays for the Patriots right now is Danny Amendola 
and uh, Mike Gillespie. So, uh, G- Gillespie. You're gonna want to tr- whatever. No, nope. You said Gillespie. Gillespie. Yeah. That's what I said. It's like it's like it's like a ghillie suit, but with an Isley. But, but with a Lee like on an, the end of it. Got yeah, it. with an Isley on the end. You're gonna want to remember that because you have him on your fantasy team, and you're gonna want to fucking actually use him because Tom Brady is old. Yeah. I. You want to talk <laughs> something? You want to talk about something that really irritated me about that? Um, <laughs> I mean. Is, Put it, uh, fantasy. If he's available, pick up Mike Gillisley is on my dumb shit slash wrap up list. But yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, we can, we can wait that long. That's fine. <laughs> no, baby. no, no. We'll just do it now. Um, is Fuck I it, we'll do up, it now. <laughs> we're doing it live. Um, I picked up Mike Gillisley with the understanding that um, that the Patriots had lost their big time. You know, red zone running back with Legarrette Legar- Blunt. Yeah, Legarrette Blunt. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, man, they're totally going to pick him up to you know, re- you know, do the whole Legarrette Blunt thing. The guy that led the league in touchdowns. Um, so my dumbass completely forgets that was the reason why I drafted him, and I was like, no, Shady and Demarco Murray would be able to handle it. And then you know, I don't know what the fuck happened to Demarco Murray. Shady showed up. That's good. But I left twenty-two points on one player alone sitting on the bench. Because I forgot why I drafted him. Yeah, again, er- earlier when I was nodding my head, I've been over here just shaking my head. Yeah, I was pretty upset about that. So just remember, um, Tom Brady's old. Tom Brady uh, is old. Okay, so just just to just to move on and get and get out of my half of the division because we still have to talk about your half of the divisional stuff because oh, I have notes for that, uh, and then we have to get into bigger league stuff and then you know wrap this thing up at some point which is probably another 45 minutes away like i'm not trying to rush towards the end of this or anything but but we can talk about this for hours yeah i feel like i feel like we've you know if we want to talk about thursday night stuff we need to make enough money so that we can just sit around and talk about football all day um that'd be wonderful it'd be real great uh so like and subscribe um make sure you hit up that hit up that facebook and there was there was whenever there I was no there was no Ke- there was no Keith laugh there. I thought there was going to be a Keith laugh there, and now oh, rem- I remember feel- like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I, I expected some sort of just like oh right, people should do that. Uh, find us on iTunes when you get the chance. Yeah, when we get the chance to put the shit <laughs> on <iTunes. laughs> once that happens. <laughs> um, but we've got we've got one part of the AFC uh, East to talk about left uh, before we jump into the NFC North, which is. The Miami game was delayed. Um, I don't understand why they couldn't have played on a neutral ground and still give those teams a bye. So that okay, well you've literally covered everything that I had for my sub notes, uh, which is probably reasonable because I sent you my notes before we started doing this. Yeah, I didn't read them. <laughs> okay, well shut up then. Um, but yeah, like so so Buffalo Flat and off the cuff, man. Buffalo and New York, I think it was. It was Buffalo and the Jets. Yes. Sorry, Buffalo Buffalo and New Jersey um, yes. last year uh, had a game that was supposed to be played in Buffalo, but there was so much snow, even with the volunteers shoveling out the stadium. I remember this as a thing. They, they couldn't play it there. So the game got relocated to Detroit to a neutral place. Um, so shout out Detroit. Thanks for letting us win there twice in the same year. Appreciate um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so wow, shameless, shameless. So, 
so it got moved to a neutral site. Uh, I, I don't, you. I don't like. I guess, I guess, like, did they play? They played in Houston, right? Uh, did they play in Dallas this weekend? Like, how many state? Like, did they play in Atlanta? How many of these stadiums nearby had to get shut down? for that not to be like a reasonable thing for that to get moved because well, I, th- I think the key difference is a the keys s- yes um sunday was the time of the florida the, variety the, the, the s- shut up sunday <laughs> was the time when the game was to be actively played and that was also right. the time where they were going to be actively fucked by a hurricane um sure. uh yes you know other teams played when other storms and whatnot um you know i want to see i want to see how the rushing game develops with like you know three and a half feet of water um uh, probably poorly i think the entire game would just be poor uh (laughs) it's like oh there there goes uh there goes uh jarvis landry down the sideline uh running his uh 12 16 40 yard dash yeah um, eventually someone will catch him. Fuck you know, Jarvis when, Landry. When they remember how to swim, I guess. Are you still on that? It's not going to stop. But do we have to rehash it every time we talk about Miami? Uh, only because he was the only Miami wide receiver I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- fair. Yes, fair. Um, I, I know Jay Cutler's on that team, and I hate Jay Ajayi because he fucked me in fantasy last year. Listen, so he ran good. for... He ran for over 200 yards on us twice last year. I don't want to talk about him either. Good. Although we're going to talk about him later. So. Oh, okay. Um, I think I think um, not moving the game to a, a neutral site is to the detriment of both teams involved because now they don't get a bye week, and that's kind of exactly shitty. exactly that. And that's the insane thing is like it's like a you couldn't move this like to somewhere else. And B, yeah. now you're literally costing both of these teams their bye week, and yeah. that's extra fucked. Right, and I think it's only because both these teams happen to share a bye week. If they did not share a bye week, I would I would not be surprised if the game just got moved. Um, but the NFL saw an easy solution. As somebody who's obviously not a Miami fan, but is also not a Buccaneers fan, though, you know, Warren Sapp's pretty cool. As someone who has seen their team get their games moved to a neutral site. It's like, why was this so complicated? Like, really, we're going to do this? Like, because there's a difference when it's baseball and a game gets rained out and gets delayed because they play 162 games, but it takes them like 19 and a half months to actually play an entire season. So they've got days off where they can make it up. Sure. And also it's not a super physically taxing sport as someone who used to play baseball for eight years turning around and being like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you just don't play week one, and then, like, week 12, when you were hoping for some time off, and maybe to see your family, like, I guess it'll be relocated, you know, back to one of their stadiums, so they'll at least be in state, Yeah. but beyond that, it's like, hey, weren't, weren't a lot of these, like, concussion protocol, and, like, aren't a lot of major sports seeing how rest is important? And you're just like, you don't, no, play 16 straight weeks and good luck if you make it to the playoffs unless you get like a a home field advantage so that you can take the first week off. If you slip in as a wild card, have fun playing straight through to the Super Bowl, assuming you make it, good luck, fuck off. Yeah, and that's, and 
especially with like such a dramatic shift to the safety of the players that we've seen over the past couple of years. Um, you know, a point that's relatively related, but also kind of unrelated is the fact that, you know, the Canadian football league is completely discontinuing full contact practice. We are at a form, we are at a time in, in football where a professional football team is expected to perform professional football without actually practicing how to play football. And you are taking away a bye week. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how this is a solution. Um, it, it it goes back to it goes back to my classic plan that I'll just run over real quick that I think I ran past you at one point, which is uh, you extend the football season so that there are twenty games in the regular season, but every four weeks there's a bye week for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so you get you get more. It's like you cut out the preseason. Everything counts. You you play for twenty weeks. You can play you know the entirety of your division or most of it plus plus your divisional game or. The entirety of your conference plus the divisional games, right. uh, and then just once every four weeks, you know, you get a you get a day off. Take and guess break. what? It's it's almost like people start playing football in summer, but then end up playing in winter. And guess what? Winter goes through like February, guys. Like yep. you could you could easily ha- who hey who would be upset with like a Super Bowl where it's like okay you battled through the winter seasons. It's March now, and we're holding it on a neutral site so that it's kind of like, you know, nice to play in because you won all this shit. Well, that's, yeah. why, that's why a lot of Super Bowls tend to be gravitating towards, like, indoor stadiums here recently. Yeah, indoor stadiums are bullshit because they don't have grass. Yeah, you try, you try playing football on, like, the fucking coast of Lake Erie and tell me if it's easy to kick a fucking field goal. That's a real football player. Yeah, right. I mean, to to be fair, that's where the first uh NHL uh open winter game was, and I think it I think it snowed and then it didn't do anything and then it freezing rained outside across three periods. So, welcome to Buffalo, motherfucker. Yeah, that's a contact sport, goddammit. Um okay, but yeah, I think are we are we done bitching about Miami's nonsense which i actually like feel bad for miami for once for yeah no i i feel bad for both teams involved um i don't care one way or the other as far as like team allegiance goes but it sucks for the players it sucks for the coaches and it sucks for the families um, and oh and and honestly it sucks for the league that they would just go and like pull this kind of thing yeah what well, do, do you really does it really surprise you though i don't know we talked about a five-year extension a couple weeks ago but yeah does it does it surprise me? No, but it's incredibly actually no. It does surprise me a little bit because I'm disappointed on top of it. So it's both. Um, That's fair. So moving on to your division, fuck Jarvis Landry. Uh, Browns, uh, not the bottom of the NFC North this year. No, definitely, definitely a possibility that that may or may not happen. Okay. Um, uh, I think. I mean, I think if we continue to see a for you know for back of for lack of better terms a decline in Cincinnati i think it could be back to the the day of old when it was literally Cincinnati and Browns scrapping at the bottom of the shit heap to try to stay the out da- of last place the days of yore yeah <laughs> okay well then we'll i mean we talked about the browns a bunch um but if you've yep. got any more do you have any more points as, so far i think we've covered most of that 
Um, I think it's super hilarious that Andy Dalton, who was already, you know, an average starter to begin with, is now officially, you know, on the books as throwing one of the worst games in NFL history. What what I have here in my notes is Andy Dalton's no good, very bad day. <laughs> um where he had the third worst Q- so so quarter so there was the classic quarterback rating that tops out at like 158.6 or whatever. Yeah. Uh and then there's the new quarterback rating that takes into context like how far they are from the lo- like how easy the pass would be, how far the pass is, whether or not the receiver dropped it, like a bunch more advanced statistics to get a much more like rounded number. Sure. Um, so he had the third worst of those ever. That's awesome. So as a Browns fan, I'm slightly aroused. So that's bad. Um, no, so it's, well, yeah, it's pretty terrible. Well, no, okay. It's bad for him. It's great for you. Like no, again, wonderful it, for it, me, but you're not going to, you're not going to see me crying about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if, if Brady or even Tannehill, because he's an actual threat, like, you know, in, props, in, props. in all in all fairness, though, that game was kind of terrible on the quarterback side to begin with. Right, and I was going to get to that. Um, yeah. But you know, props props to props to Ryan Tannehill. He's not a shitty quarterback. He just plays for a team that I hate. Um, He's also currently dead, and they don't have Ryan Tannehill right now. So, oh well, yeah, Jay Cutler, bro, Jay Cutler. Right. Bills are going to win the AFC East, anyways. Um. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, four interceptions on the game, and I just beat the shit out of my desk. Um, most of them, most of them, uh, tip drills. How much do we blame that on Dalton, and how much is, like, it just the nature of this league where linemen are jumping up in the air and swatting at shit? Um, I can blame a solid, like, fitty-fitty. Um, I say that because... I didn't watch the game. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how many of those were tip drills by the line or were they tip drills by linebackers. Right. I, I mean, I watched the highlights and one of them was a clean pick, but I think it was the fourth interception. But I think everything else was, I think two of them were, hmm, at least one was tipped by the lineman because it went like straight up in the air and literally ended up behind him when it was intercepted. Sure. Uh, and the other two, I can't actually remember, but they were, they were either like linebackers, corner safeties, uh, or something. Uh, they, they were a defensive player. <laughs> okay. Um, I can confidently say <laughs> with confidence that if the tip was caused by a linebacker or higher, as far as level goes, you know, second mm-hmm. or third level defensive player, um, that is still falls partially on the on the you know the arms of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, part of your responsibility is to you know when you when you drop back and you're you know scanning the coverage. The, guess what? The linebackers and the safeties are part of your coverage too. It's not just who's matched up to my receivers. Um, they they spy players like that all the fucking time. You know, it's mostly mostly to you know stop the play or to you know anticipate the play action or you know make sure the short shit in the middle doesn't fucking you know, doesn't go anywhere. Um, you know, when people start dinking dunking, you got to have that presence in the second level. But those players are also like, I mean, let's be real. Linebackers at this point, in, at this point in 
professional football are pretty much just really heavy cornerbacks. You know, they're 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 matched up in coverage with receivers all the fucking time. They have almost the same almost the same ball skills that a that a, a well tuned corner would have. And they're gonna they're gonna watch you and they're gonna they're gonna watch your eyes and they're gonna watch your shoulders and the moment you let that ball go and it's anywhere in the vicinity of one of those linebackers, they're gonna jump up and they're gonna try to make a play on the ball. Yep. It's it's your responsibility to make sure there's nobody in between you and your receiver, including the linebackers. Um, I, I feel like his performance, um, from what I saw watching highlights, you know, he obviously didn't bring anything to the table that benefited Cincinnati and what whatsoever. Even if the interceptions weren't his fault, he still wasn't making plays. You know, what day and age do we live in where AJ Green has no touchdowns and only seventy yards receiving? That's not yeah, any, that's 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 not any day and age that I want to live in. And knowing AJ Green, that that's the day and age where like you leave Madden running and the cat started pushing buttons, right? And knowing AJ Green, knowing AJ Green has sticky hands the dude has unreal ball skill like he gets hands on the ball eight times out of ten he's going to catch it he was targeted ten times only caught five times in order for you to be targeted in order for it to be you know a targeted receiver the ball just has to go near you somewhere yeah i was going to say all those went like probably four feet over his head right they were either overthrown or he led him too much or something like that you know um and i can say that with confidence not have watching the game it just knowing how good aj green is at that position that he he yes threw four interceptions but he also threw just barely over 50 percent on everything else so four of those incompletions can only be counted up to interceptions he still missed 11 other passes out of 31 attempts um you know, like I said, it wasn't any better on the Baltimore side of the ball, but everybody throws interceptions. We see the greats all the time throw a pick and still throw three touchdowns for 300 yards. It fucking happens. It's your ability to recover, keep your head on your shoulders, and keep your eyes where they need to be. Yep. Um, they, he, he was obviously outclassed in that position. Uh, he was, it didn't help that his offensive line was not giving him any protection. Um, you know, he was sacked five times. Like, they kept him on the ground. They kept him pressure. They kept people in his face. And he was not reacting well to that pressure whatsoever. Then, on the flip side of that uh, equation, uh, sure. did the did the Ravens luck out? Yes. I feel like they did. Like, are, are the Ravens as good as... I think the Ravens proved why they have one of the best defenses in the AFC. Mm-hmm. They could have won that game by so many more fucking points. They had zero offense that entire football game, zero. You know, um, you know, Terrence West had like eighty yards rushing, and um, uh, there's some other guy that had like another like sixty or seventy yards rushing, whose name escapes me currently. Um, but as far as their receiving goes, you know. You know, A, Danny Woodhead's on Baltimore Ravens now, in case you guys didn't know. Um, yep. And if you would have watched the Baltimore Ravens-Cincinnati Bengals game, you would have not I, known otherwise either because I didn't, he didn't I didn't know until I watched – I didn't know until I watched the highlights. Yeah, evidently he plays for them, and if you look at the numbers, you're not missing much. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, he's a white running back. Hey, good. That's good. Usually those guys are fullbacks, but he's tiny. Which is which is well okay then completely doubling back which is why the uh, uh, the Demarco uh, Mike Tolbert uh, 
combo is stupid as fuck because it's like, oh yeah, we've got this fullback blocking for this fullback, but pretty much, but we don't need to go into that. Um, yeah. um, I think I think the AFC, I think Baltimore's defense kept them in that game uh, because there was no production on either side of the ball as far as offense goes. Um, they did establish themselves as you know a marquee defense, but until I see, I'm I'm reserving judgment in the AFC North until Week Two because obviously these teams did not come prepared to play. Apparently, it was, yeah. it was it was polar opposites between watching the Ravens Cincinnati play and then watching the Browns and Pittsburgh play. Like Browns Pittsburgh was AFC North football. That's what I'm used to. You know, a relatively strong defensive struggle, some good highlight offensive plays, but ultimately a relatively low scoring game. It's coming close to the wire. They're just beating each other up in the trenches. And then you go to Baltimore, Cincinnati. Nobody can move the fucking ball. You know, that one defense is just being dominated because the other off- offense can't do anything. But that other defense can't respond to the other offense not being able to do anything. So it's, it was just a shit show. It was bad football. It was boring fucking football. That's what it was. So for the last part, um, we were uh, – the last part of your division uh, is the Steelers and – which transitions into my bigger league question of uh, is is big is the is the clock on Big Ben running out? Um, I feel like Big Ben is in a position where it's a win now kind of thing. You know, the door is kind of shutting as far as the longevity of of his career. But I mean, he's still playing at you know a a good level. You know, at a competitive level. I mean, his numbers he num- his numbers for that Cleveland game were good numbers. Now, granted, it's against Cleveland. Um, once again, it's one of those things where our perspective is kind of limited. Um, right. But if I were to take it at face value, like, he had one pick. That was off a tip. You know, still threw for two touchdowns, still threw for over seven yards in attempt. Um, he was 24 for 36. You know, he had an uh, overall rating of 95, had a QBR of 80. Um, he he played solid football and he didn't make, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, uh, I think the reason why I'd say, you know, it's, he's in a win now position is just because, you know, he is in his thirties. I don't think we're going to see the longevity out of his career that we've seen Tom Brady's, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, I don't think he's really lost a step. If that's, no, 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 I get that. And it's and it's largely because he is a bigger player. He takes those hits and his mm-hmm. his uh longevity seems to be basically based off of his physical stats and not necessarily, you know, the people around him so much. Right. And he he has a an innate ability to extend the play just because of his size and his frame. He's a hard dude to bring down. Um and once he gets moving, you know, he's even harder to bring down. Um, so he, he subscribes to that school of thought that Aaron Rodgers subscribes to, which is, I don't care if the pocket's there or not, I'm still going to get the ball downfield. Yep. Um, and I, th- that's to his benefit because he's had great teams he's played with. He's had okay teams he's great. He's played with. Uh, I think this is one of the better Pittsburgh teams that has been fielded in a while. Um, but with our limited perspective, it just kind of remains to be seen. I don't think. Um, I, I do think his 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 time frame is limited, uh, but that's only purely because of his age. Um, his ability to make plays and his ability to play football, I I haven't seen any you know regression. Okay, uh, which is which is which is beneficial for Pittsburgh Steelers fans because they don't really have much else going on at quarterback right now. They're not really preparing for that moment. 
Right. Transitioning out of divisional stuff and into the league in general, uh, I brought up I brought up Big Ben because are we? Do you think uh, we're moving out of our current era of dominant quarterbacks? Like Tom Brady's getting old, Peyton Manning retired, uh, Tony Romo is in a booth, uh, like Drew 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 Brees is getting up there. Are are we? Are we seeing the decline of our current QB era? Mm, mm. That's a toughie. Um, I would say no. Only because there's a lot of quarterbacks that play for certain teams that don't get a lot of don't get a lot of publicity. Um, right. Because they're not marquee, you know, they're not, you know, winning playoff games and winning Super Bowls and stuff like that. Um, am I seeing I'm seeing more of the torch being passed to, you know, a middle generation that's still kicking it, you know, um, like, you know, Matthew Stafford, for instance, now officially the highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah. Um, for good reason. The only reason he's not held up there with the greats is because he plays for the lions. And I guess I'm going to say that hundred percent confidently. It um, also hurts that he doesn't have, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that, that Megatron guy. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't help that he, you know, doesn't have his, you know, the one of the best receivers to play the play the game, who I also think retired prematurely. Um Well he wants to he wants to remember having kids, so that's kind of important. I can I can agree with that. <laughs> um but if you look at his performance, you know, he was like thirty for forty for almost three hundred yards and four touchdowns. Um yep. and then you look at, you know, other gunslingers in the league like Matt Ryan you know, he's still out there doing Matt Ryan stuff. He loves to stretch the ball. He's always been in the top figures as far as, um, you know, yards per, um, you know, yards in the season and all that fun stuff. Um, he doesn't get a lot of, he doesn't get a lot of that, you know, elite talk because he, you know, hasn't won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, the ability right. for them to put away the last Super Bowl they in, they were in, you know, escape them. And then you have anomalies that are floating around in the league, like, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, who has been consistent, um, who also, you know, threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns um, with a relative degree of accuracy. Um, I think I think the transition is less of more of, like, the transition is less of like we're out of the era of great quarterbacks and we're more accepting the era of quarterbacks that I can call elite that can also be multifaceted, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think really, you know, to be honest, Aaron Rodgers is one of those old hat quarterbacks that's kind of paving that way. You know, that, that mobility in the pocket, you know, very difficult to bring down. Can it can really extend the field when he needs to, um, consistently over 250 yards a game uh we're seeing that in quarterbacks like carson wentz Derek carr cam newton stuff like that where they're not putting up you know superstar 400 yard numbers but you know they're still let's, getting let's let's not discount dak because uh, as, and as, dak. Yeah. as much as fuck the cowboys like dak <laughs> prescott can do some stuff yeah th- those quarterbacks like that where i think we're just going to see less of less of um, less of just the old school, you know, pocket gunslinger, because um, the ev- the evolution of the game. People are starting to realize, you know, that a a dual threat quarterback is definitely an asset in the NFL. We saw that brief- briefly with Michael Vick, but Michael Vick 
um, Michael Vick was, you know, he was a flare up. Yep. Yeah. He was the first out of people like Tyrod and Russell Wilson to actually, you know, kind of, kind of hit that pivot. Yep. And these are quarterbacks that can still throw for, you know, 300 yards a game if given the opportunity, but they also, you know, you got to watch them in the pocket. You really do. And that's what makes them so threatening. Um, I mean, Mike Vick's, you know, one of Mike Vick's problems really was his frame. You know, he um, he never played a complete season in the NFL because he was always hurt because he was always yep. getting hit. Uh, these quarterbacks have learned how to protect themselves. They also are dual threat quarterbacks that happen to be like 6'4", 200 fucking pounds. You know, these are big dudes. It helps. Um, they can take the abuse a little bit better than, you know, little Mike Vick. Um that's something that has been kind of an anomaly in this conversation when it comes to Russell Wilson because the dude's only 5'11". Um, but Russell Wilson uses his legs as a resort. It's not part of his game. The dude can right. still chuck the ball downfield. Yep. Um, I, th- I think we're seeing less of a decay or the less of a decline in the QB era and more of just a transition. Okay. Um, especially with the big hyped quarterbacks that we're getting with teams, you know, like Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, you know, uh, fucking um, what's his dick from Clemson, first round pick for Houston, name escapes me, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, yes. Deshaun Watson starting this week. You know, we have Deshaun Kaiser. Um, you know, Jared Goff actually put up really good numbers in that. You know, some would call a fluke of a game for LA. Um, well, we'll we'll get to we'll get to LA's wide receivers in just a second. Sure. Um, you know, but that would kind of be my bet on how the transition is going as far as uh, NFL quarterbacks. Okay. Um, but uh, but what what's what's really benefiting that, though, is we're starting to see a lot more consistency in ground games where people don't have to rely on the quarterback anymore. Is, is the league uh, shifting to more of a ground-and-pound game? I mean, again... We talked earlier about the, the, and this is this is me switching points. Um, we, I mean, we saw Hunt. We have AJ Jahi. We have Leonard Fournette now in the league. We have uh, Mike Gillisley playing for an old Tom Brady. We have Ezekiel Elliott. We have Marshawn back in the league. Like Mar- Marshawn is probably the number one who's like outside of that, but. Are, are we are we switching back to these to these young fast fit running backs and you know is it going to lead to a league that's going to run them back into the ground is it going to lead us to a league where the legion of boom and that kind of stuff like is less important and you know who's who's ready with their front seven well i can it, i can say that there's not many teams that are ready as far as front seven goes for players like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and Marshawn Lynch. Um, you do the best you can with those people. Um, that all depends on whether or not the talent can be sustained. You know, um, traditionally why or traditionally running backs are that group of players that are usually early retirees. Yep. Um, they get beat around a lot and the next, the next, level has to step up you know career longevity can kind of drive the direction of the nfl you know the reason why we're seeing such an elite level of quarterback play over the past 15 seasons is because we've had the same quarterbacks for 15 years yep you don't you don't get that out of a running back and you never will um uh i think i think it's good to see you know that the young you know scrappy class of running backs getting into the league and saying hey you know we're here 
and you got a you got a scheme for us too. Um, I think we're going to start seeing a shift in salaries, most definitely. Um, uh, running backs are going to get paid. Uh, whether or not it can be sustained, you know, that just all depends on what the lower levels can produce as far as quality players. Um, I think that's more of a question of what the shift in collegiate football is. Um, and, you know, they're still sticking with spread offenses and all that fun stuff, but they keep punking out quality like this, and we can expect to see, you know, good halfback play for years to come. Mm-hmm. You know, when Marshawn Lynch finally retires for the sixth time, if somebody can fill his shoes, then great. If not, well, you, that's why you lean on the quarterback. That's good why the quarterback gets paid luck. the money. Yeah. Uh, and I think as far as, you know, dominant secondaries, there's always going to be a place for him. Um, because at the end of the day, the easiest way to get the ball downfield is to throw it. Mm-hmm. If you limit a team to the running game and they can't have any production on offense, well, now they are now they only have one facet to their offense, and they're pretty easy to shut down. Um, I think you're going to start seeing more tandem between um, passing and rushing offenses uh, and less so of reliance. Um, it used to be super important to field a great secondary, especially if you were playing someone like you know Tom Brady or you know Aaron Rodgers because, yeah, they have decent running backs behind them, but they're going to throw the ball. Um, now it's a lot easier to keep those teams honest. Um, and, uh, you know, a big part of that is having a shutdown secondary or at least a couple of shutdown players in your secondary so they can't rely on the passing game. They have to put the ball on the field. So you're going to see you're going to start or you're going to you're going to start seeing that shift um, with teams having to, you know, keep the ball on the ground to seeing more production out of those running backs. So it might not even be a thing of where the players are just more talented. They're just getting more attention because people are starting to wise up to the whole sit back in the pocket and gunsling bullshit. Yep. And the secondary is going to need more uh, thumpers like a uh, like a Palomalu or an Ed Reed. Yeah, definitely. You know, you got to get those small guys downfield to lay the boom. Because if it gets to the third level, you know, there's only one way to stop a good running back, and that's to hit the fucker. Yep. Okay, so I have a couple more notes here. Um, are the Colts in a holding pattern with the current – with the current Andrew Luck not being back from shoulder surgery thing, uh, which is, I guess, something that I had somehow overlooked, but they're legitimately still starting and rotating backup quarterbacks like for their games now. Like, yep, are they are they in an extended preseason? What's going on with that? And also, have you heard the latest about the rumors of Luck not being happy in Indy? Um, if I was Andrew Luck. I would totally not be happy in Indy because they just seem to have this aversion to protecting him. Um, they also seem to have this aversion to putting other players on the field to help him, you know, win football games. Um, but at the De- same time, um, definitely going back doesn't to, help. Yeah, definitely doesn't help. Going back to, uh, you know, are they like an extended preseason? I think absolutely. Um, because even when Andrew Luck is uh, quote-unquote ready, he's not going to be ready. Nope. Um, he didn't play preseason. He's still not playing in the regular season. Um, he's in you know rehab right now. Uh, yeah, that may include throwing some balls and doing whatever it is rehab does, but you know, he's not going to be ready to play a regular season football game when he's finally healthy. Um, if, if it were me, I would just you know bet my money on the fact that you're going to blow your division because you are. Um, you already are. You're already behind the eight ball. Uh, with, you know, rotating two quarterbacks in a regular season game, which, by mm-hmm. the way, should never happen. Um, not if you're confident. 
yeah, not if yeah, not if you're confident in what you're doing. Um, and ride ride the wave, man. See what production you can get out of your out of your backups. You know, as far as the Andrew Luck unhappy situation, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to trade for him. Um, well, the and and the bigger problem that I've heard of it is that basically. If they were to get rid of him, he'd be forty million dollars worth of dead money. Yeah, if they cut him, if they just straight out cut him, you know that's 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 just dead money that's floating around. Um, so, yeah, he's, have, I mean, you would have to trade him, but nobody's going to trade for a quarterback with a broken wing, especially when he has you know forty million dollars due his way. I mean, the um, bills the bills could take those broken wings and hopefully learn to fly again. Can we talk real quick about how dumb the Los Angeles Rams receiving core is for fucking Jared Goff this year? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, he definitely has some playmakers. Um, as far as dumb, um, dude, dude. I mean, but listen, but but think about this: Cooper Cup, who was one of the most highly like sought after wide receivers coming out of the draft. Tavon Austin, who, if nothing else, has proved himself as a returner and a speed demon. And uh, and in this last season, both of them from my Buffalo Bills, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. I mean, I could see how you could be pretty much pretty upset with the Sammy Watkins thing, considering, you know, he was five for five for 60 yards. Robert Woods was our leading receiver last year, as far as yeah. I know. So, yeah. um, it, so, it, how, so I think this is less of a question of how dumb LA's receiving core is, and how dumb, and more so how dumb the Bills are for fucking that up. Well, listen. Oh, Sammy so Watkins has turf toe. We should cut him. My, I guess my follow-up question is: Are they put up forty-six points this weekend? Two of, yes. I think, two of them or. 14, rather, of those points, two of the touchdowns, were off of pick sixes. Yes. Uh, is, is, is L.A. in the Rams and not the Chargers, because those are different teams, um, are the L.A. Rams the next team to be like the Atlanta Falcons, where they just put up 35, 40 points every single game and you just have to outgun them? If I were to take it at face value, yes. But they were also oh. playing a very anemic Indianapolis Colts. Okay, good. Moving on. No, uh, <laughs> I I think I think their their offense is definitely something to be uh, reckoned with. Where it's like they might they might become the next gun show where you've just got to outshoot them. Look, I. Until I see Todd Gurley rushing for more than two yards per attempt, um, I'm going to disagree with you 100%. Um, the, reason why, the reason why teams like the Atlanta Falcons are so deadly in their ability to put points on the board is because they're backfield. Wait, the, I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold, hold on. Did we find something we disagreed on? Yeah. Yeah, we did. All right. Go on. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Falcons – have probably one of the best rushing or best running back tandems in the league. Um, you know, Devonta Freeman is so dual threat that 
once again, it's one of those things where it's, you know, a wide receiver that can also play in the slot or a running back that can also play in the slot or vice versa. Um, that's, it's kind of, you know, especially with the lack of production that Todd Gurley had last season, coupled with the amazing amount of production that Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman had, uh, com- I think comparing LA Rams to the Atlanta Falcons at this point is a bit premature. Um, this is the first time we've seen any life out of Jared Goff in his entire NFL career. Um, Matt Ryan is consistently passing over 4,000 yards a year. It's also um, the first time Jared Goff has had Cooper Cup, Sammy Watkins, and Robert Woods to throw to. Well, Atlanta has, you know, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Austin Cooper, you know, also Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. Um, you know, like we're talking about, you know, Atlanta gets, you know, 300 yards of production out of five guys. You know, how mm-hmm. much how much does the L.A. Rams have to spread the ball around to see similar production? Uh, how much of their rotation, you know, how much of their rotation needs to be utilized to, to, you know, be able to establish, you know, one aspect of their of their game, either rushing or passing. And there's so much inconsistency that we've gotten out of their rushing game to where I, I can't I can't. I can't feel confident saying that they're going to be the next, you know, gunslingers at in the NFL, you know, that this perception may change, you know, given another week or so, but I haven't seen anything from Jared Goff minus last week. And the production that the receivers did have, although consistent, wasn't anything that's just going to blow me away. You know, these mm-hmm. are the same numbers, you know, they put up the same numbers receiving that I saw, you know, from 10 other teams this past week. Um, including including the Falcons. You know, nobody was overtly impressive. Their defense fluffed those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something in the history of in the history of recent Atlanta Falcons that the Atlanta Falcons had to rely on. You know, that they can just go out there and put points on the board. Um, um I think a better example of a team that could be like the next, you know, gunslinging crazy fucking team to hit the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs. I need them to not be so that we have a better draft pick. Yeah, well, they're going to be, especially if, you know, they get a bajillion yards out of their, you know, a bajillion yards from scrimmage out of their rookie running back. And, it, it Alex, be, and Alex Smith keeps throwing close to 400 yards a game. So It would be really great if they won this first game and then lost the next, you know, 15. I would really appreciate that. <laughs> you just want the draft pick. We have their number one. Of course I want the draft pick. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for you, Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the AFC. They're going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Are we taking bets right now? Uh, I'm looking at at the Chiefs as my AFC pick. I haven't quite settled on my NFC pick yet. I will put put a dollar on that. Put a dollar that the Chiefs don't make it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take the opposite half. If you're saying they're going to the Super Bowl, if you're calling it right now, I will bet you one dollar that they are not the AFC representative for the Super Bowl. Okay, so if they're not gonna be, who is? And don't uh, say the uh, Patriots. Uh, the uh, Oakland. Uh, see, I think it's yeah, no, don't don't see that happening. Uh, the biggest problem that that happens there is that they're in the same division, so. I bet one of them gets in and the other is the wild card, if nothing else. Sure. No, they're both definitely making it to the playoffs. And um, you know what? 
You know what? Oakland wins the Super Bowl. You know why? Why? Because Marshawn because, Lynch. Uh, t- shut up! Don't beat me to my punchline. It's going to be. It's going to be twenty it's to seventeen. It's going to be twenty to seventeen, and they're going to be on the two yard line. And they're going to actually be smart and give the ball to Beast Mode. <laughs> and they're going <laughs> to hand it to Marshawn Lynch, and he's going to dive into the end zone, grabbing his nuts, and say, "For yep. Oakland." And it's going to be against the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, that'd be something. That w- I would watch that. That's money television. Okay. Uh, got, got, a, got a couple more things on my list. All right. Um, I got a couple more minutes to spare. Okay. Uh, Ronald Darby hurt for the Eagles. Are they just fucked now? Uh, kind of. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. no, go on. Go. Uh, I mean, he's he was a staple in that defense. You know, uh, he provided veteran leadership and also shut down capability. Without him, they're kind of you know, it's kind of like clipping a wing. We'll see what happens next week. Wow, clipping a wing, you asshole! Get it? Because they're the <laughs> Eagles. No, I got Get it, it. And, I'm, and I'm mad about it because I didn't be make it. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the Bills going back to Carolina. We talked about uh, Browns and the Ravens, right? We talked about that. But for real. Uh, will Colin Kaepernick play this year? No. Okay. <laughs> There's been, like, I mean, think about it, though. Like, like as many quarterback questions and injuries we have had up to week one of regular season and he still hasn't caught a contract, it's not happening. You would think, right, by this point, yeah. somebody. Yeah, by this point, somebody would been like, you know what, fuck it, we're desperate. <laughs> he was in a Super Bowl once, um, so he can't be that terrible. And then... He's- He's definitely got some stuff going for him. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. You know, And um, it bums me out, and I think it sucks, but I don't think he's going to play this year, if not ever. It might be the end of his NFL career. Uh, so for the last section, my dumb shit slash wrap-up, um, fantasy. Uh, if he's available, pick up Mike Gillisley, and if for some reason he's on your fantasy team... Uh, By all means, for the love of God, start him. <laughs> may, may, maybe play him. Oh, man. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, then we'll we'll move on to the next part, which is uh, work on your touchdown dances. What Everyone, the fuck, for people? For the love of God, it's like, so weak. They lo- they loosened up the rules, and the most that I see is like linemen are like, yeah, I want to be part of this, but like nobody's doing anything with like, it th- yet. There was that one time where a dude shot like shot like a free throw into the other player's arms, but then he missed the free throw, <laughs> so the dude had to like bend down and be like, no, he totally made it. See, it went between my arms, and I like. Dude, come on, man. Like, the NFL is like, we're, we're trying to beat the whole no fun league. Go have fun. Yeah. So, step your fun up. Yeah. Um, or I, I guess, ain't watching. He lies. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the 4th and Wrong podcast for Tuesday, September the 13th, 2017. Because around here, every day is Tuesday. Uh, I've been your host, RJ. We'll see you next week. Uh, say goodbye, Keith. Goodbye, Keith. Thank <laughs> you.